It's Thursday, August 20th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 376 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 22 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. So I was hoping to do another group show this week, get things more back to normal, but just by coincidence, pretty much all the other hosts had something come up. So you got just me again, because I figure just me is better than a completely dead feed. Maybe not better than much else, but it is better than that. So I want to start off, before I even get to the announcements, by talking about something that I think kind of prologues this show, or maybe provides context for where I'm at in general. Have you ever had something in your life that you were a big fan of at one point, and for some reason you just fell away from it, you outgrew it, you moved on, you got distracted by other things, you just got burnt out on it? I don't know what the story was, but then some amount of time goes by, 5, 10, 20 years, and all of a sudden you're a huge fan of it all over again, just like you were back in its heyday. That right now is where I'm at with Battletech. I was a really big fan of Battletech back in the 90s. Was never one of their main product line writers, but I did do some writing for the game. Played the crap out of it. And then I just kind of lost track of it from the late 90s on through about, I mean, heck, I don't know, just a a past couple of years. Most of my groups didn't want to play it. They felt it was too much work. I wasn't that thrilled with where the products were, but... Lately, I have just been absolutely hog wild about Battletech all over again. I love what Catalyst has done with the game. I like the products that are coming out. I'm getting excited about the game again. So if you guys are sick of hearing about Battletech, I apologize, but it's just where my head is at right now. And it'll pass again here at some point, and I'll find something else new and shiny to play with. But in the meantime, you're just going to have to put up with it. Though I do promise you one thing. While the topic today was inspired by Battletech, it is not specifically about Battletech. So whatever game you're into, I hope you'll find something in there. One other thought, and this is actually going to lead into the first of my announcements today. This morning, I was sitting around thinking, what is it politics really needs? Now, you may be saying, wait a minute, Fearboot doesn't do politics, religion. You know, we try to focus on the games, be Big tent welcoming to everybody, you know, not get you pissed off about anything that's unrelated to games. But this is important. And so I was thinking, what is it that politics really needs to set it right? And I came up with two things, two simple things that would fix politics in America. Our podcast and Battletech. And damn it, if I wasn't just sitting there thinking that, when all of a sudden we get a tweet from the House Majority Whip of the Pennsylvania State Legislature and come to find out that he's a fan of both. Now, I want you to know that I'm not endorsing or condemning his politics. I'm simply not commenting on them. But what I will say is he is focused on the issues that America really needs to be focused on. And I know this because the mechs that he picked to enter into our contest for the free Battletech box sets, which I'll be giving away here in just a second, he picked inner sphere mechs. And that means he's a moral man with his head in the right place. And I want him to know right now that if he ever chooses to run for the U.S. Senate, We will support his campaign for the sole reason that once he's in there, I'm trusting him to do the right thing by the American people, which is to call us up for America's first filibuster that will consist of a lance on lance, because God knows that will go for a really long time. 
So I have decided that in addition to the winners I'm about to read, and yes, I did say winners plural, a lot of people entered this contest, so I decided the best way I could respond is rather than having one winner, we're going to have three. But as a public service, I'm going to send Representative Cutler a copy of the Battletech box set so that I know he's playing right there in the State Capitol building in Harrisburg. Representative, be watching your office mail for that because I'm sending you Battletech. All right, so the three winners... Selected randomly, and I want to thank Chris Hussey for doing the work of gathering these names for me. We got a lot more entries than I expected, but here we go. The three winners are Ludo, Suprema, Omnis, Sergeant Bus, and Chemsig. I will be sending a direct message to the three of you from either my personal Twitter account or the Fear the Boot account. So be watching for that. I'll get your addresses, and we are going to get you those Battletech box sets as quickly as we can. Now, for those of you that didn't win, stay tuned because I'm not done with this stuff. I can tell you right now that I've got something really nice coming in. If you're a Battletech fan, i got something really nice coming in that we're going to be able to give away to a bunch of people. So just stay tuned and sit tight, and we will be doing more stuff. And in the meantime, keep up with Chris Hussey, who is the main guy that does our Twitter account. You can follow him at either Fear the Boot or The Hussman. I'll link both in the show notes. So follow him there. Keep up with him because he's going to be announcing something to give away those video games that I talked about last time. We've got some codes for Dark Souls, thanks to Nathan. We've got some codes for some Xbox 360 games, thanks to Tex. So we're going to be giving those away. Second announcement, just a reminder, the Baby Shoes Flash Fiction Anthology is out there. It's getting great reviews. 100 stories by 100 authors, all of them nice, quick hits of fiction thousand words or less and so it's just a great book with a lot of different perspectives a lot of different subject matter i'll link to that in the show notes grab your copy today i am featured in there as is beth eddie webb other people from this show other people from the gaming community as a whole lastly but not leastly what a way to mangle that phrase i want to point you guys towards a kickstarter there is a game out there being funded right now called loaded up and trucking it's a truck game it's a board game And you strategize with trucks very similar to how you would in many of the famous train games. You have to pick routes, pick loads, figure out how best to maximize them against the other players. This is a great bunch of guys. And the next game that they are doing, one that's in the works, I think will be the next up on Kickstarter, is one that actually has Gnarl as a playable card. And their instruction video or their intro video is going to be voiced over by yours truly. So link to that in the show notes. Let's get on to our topic for the day. This was inspired by Battletech, not about Battletech, so if you're a big D&D guy or whatever, this is for you too. But bear with me as I'm going to tell you a quick Battletech story that explains how I came up with this topic. So in the last solo show I did, I gave something of an intro to Battletech, and I had a lot of great response to that. A lot of people you know, tell me they're glad I finally got that out there. But I also had a couple people that are Battletech fans. You know how we role players are. We love to wank. And so some of them kind of came up and said, hey... There's some little things in the show that you might have gotten wrong. You know, it was actually a little bit more like this or a little more like that. And it's kind of funny because the only thing that I was factually wrong on, I don't think anyone called me on, which is I actually got the five casts of the clans wrong. I inserted artisans and dropped the technical cast. The artisans are actually a subpart of the merchant cast for anyone that cares. If you do care, I'm sorry. But honestly, you've got worse problems being a clanner anyway. But these people came and said, you know, hey, wait a minute, I interpreted it a little bit differently. And in some cases, I think they had valid points. In other cases, I think it was really a pretty arguable point. But what that got me thinking about is why did they have different answers than I do? 
Is it purely interpretive? Is it just I look at the material and came up with something they didn't? In studying literature, you call this eisegesis. Eisegesis means to read into something as opposed to exegesis, which means to read out of it. Okay, so instead of just reading what it says, you're kind of reading between the lines and looking for additional information that's implied, maybe not actually spoken. But I think there's something else going on there. So as I started picking through these issues and trying to figure out where I'd come up with my information, I started to realize that where the divergence was is in something called headcanon. Now, if you're picturing somebody's head actually being a gun, that is outstanding and necessary, but that's not what I'm talking about. By headcanon, what I mean is people that look at material and they come up with information that is not homespun. Okay, this is not purely invented information. If you have house rules or house setting or whatever, that's great. That's not what I'm talking about. People look at information, but because of the fact that the information is either incomplete in the sense that there are big holes in the middle of it, or over time has obviously or at least seemed to contradict itself, you have to do something to straighten that out. You have to pick a version of the truth. So when we've talked about consistency in fiction, The vast majority of people that we've talked to and the vast majority of the hosts, I believe all of the hosts, are on the same page in saying that an external consistency is not really important fiction. In other words, realism is not that big of a deal. If you want to take some detours, that's fine. Star Wars has the force. I've never seen anyone demonstrate the actual force. Let's just go ahead and presuppose it doesn't exist. But we're okay with that so long as it's internally consistent. As long as when they say the force can't do this, that is always true. Or if they say this is how a hyperdrive works, that's fine. It doesn't matter how silly it is as long as that's the way it always goes. Well, when you start getting a lot of material out for something, and even more so when it's written by a lot of people over a lot of years, it's inevitable that either accidentally or maybe intentionally you're going to start contradicting yourself. White Wolf does this all over the place in their setting, and they have said they do it somewhat intentionally. And they've done it a little bit less with New World of Darkness, but it's still there. And one of the reasons they've given for this is that all the individual rule books are meant to focus on the perspectives and what's cool about the group they're talking about. Whichever group is running the world really depends on which book you're reading. If you read the werewolf book, it's going to tell you that werewolves are the end-all, be-all. If you read the vampire book, it's going to tell you vampires are the end-all, be-all. If you read the mage book or the hunter book, and on and on and on. D&D, heaven knows, even within a single edition, they contradict themselves both in the soft text and the harder rules. Battletech has done this. But what this clashes against is from a mechanical standpoint, you have to have consistent rules. This weapon has to either do 1d6 or 1d8 damage. You have to pick one of the two. If it's something in the setting, how does it look when they walk into this town? Is it like this or is it like that? Who's leading the army there? What is the culture of a particular place? How do its people behave? Now, this is something you need to tell a story. Even if you're not telling a story about it, the human mind hates empty spaces. Our brains are designed to fill in information even when we don't have it. We notice patterns this way. Let me give you a quick example. I'm going to give some numbers, and I want you to tell me which one's missing. 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9. Now, which number's missing? Well, probably the answer most people are going to come up with, at least by their gut, is the number 5. Because it seems that I skipped over it. But from the information given, I could have just as easily left off 0 at the front of the count, or I could have left off 10 at the end of it. But 
Number five is what's missing in the middle. We expect a sequence to be there. And so our brains invent that. You see this a lot with witness testimony. When people are witness to a crime and they're asked to describe the events that occurred, they're oftentimes very certain of things that they don't know to be true. But when they picture it in their mind's eye, there is something that is absolutely the case. They think they remember the suspect's shirt color, when in fact they don't. And a lot of this occurs, once again, because our minds hate inconsistent information. Our brains are designed to create these bigger, more complete pictures of the world around us than what we actually have sufficient information to do. Now, generally speaking, this is a great thing because this is what allows us to operate with incomplete information. This is what allows us to understand how things work together in terms of systems. This is what has allowed us to make a lot of great discoveries. Because keep in mind that many great discoveries, not all because some are accidental, but many of them start off with a hypothesis about how things work. It's a guess based on the information that we have because it formed a bigger picture. But when you apply this to fiction, you start to get a head canon. There is the canonicity, okay? There is the accepted work that says this is what is truth, that says this is what's going on. This is how things operate. This is the rules we use. And there might be chapter and verse you can point to that says that's the case. But when you start getting conflicting information or incomplete information, it is the natural course of the human brain to invent a headcanon, to invent some truth that you may not realize was something that you inserted into or over the work that was, in fact, not there in the first place. Or maybe it was, but when conflicting information was presented, you decided to go with a particular path. You chose A over B or B over A. An example of this is when I was talking about clan culture in the last podcast that I did solo. I talked about the clans having a great disdain for people of more general culture, and even for most of their own population. Now, this is absolutely accurate information if you look at certain Battletech books. I talked about how they really had not been meaningfully defeated, about how I saw them really as something of a Mary Sue to the setting. Depending on the Battletech book you look at, that is absolutely correct information. But what's happened is if people have gone on to develop the setting more, I don't know exactly what's motivated them. Maybe they noticed the same things I did. And so they went back and added in information that does not just supplement what was occurring in the books I read, but actually in some cases contradicts what was presented in the books that I read. And I have no doubt that setting apologists can come up with reasons for this. Well, that book was meant to be written in character and that group misinterpreted what the clans were like or whatever. But look, these were meant to present useful information to run the game. The contradictions are there in some level. Even if you disagree with me on those I guarantee you, if you're familiar with Battletech's setting or its rules, its setting in particular, its rules have done a better job, you're going to be able to pick out inconsistencies from time to time. What is a mech's cockpit windshield made of? They've been all over the board on that. If you look at some books, there isn't one. That's simply a sensor plate that does a pass-through image of what's on outside. Others absolutely describe a transparent thing that's there. Now, if we go to D&D, good heavens, this gets even worse. The amount of rules contradiction and setting contradiction that's presented. White Wolf is one example I gave earlier. I got into a wank that I really, honestly, in retrospect, didn't enjoy. But that says more about me than it does the people that were debating me because they just meant it all in good fun. But I got into a wank about White Wolf about whether in Old World of Darkness, 
does a supreme deity exist? And you can go chapter and verse from one book to the next to say, yes, one does or no, one doesn't. It seems to be more than simply the interpretations of certain groups because certain powers work the way they do on the presupposition that a deity does or does not exist. Which group is more powerful than the other? How much do they know about each other? Well, we found a spot in the werewolf book where it says that hunters really don't know anything about werewolves. But then I can show you chapter and verse in the Hunter's Hunted book where it says that certain groups of hunters absolutely know all about the werewolves. Well, which one's correct? I mean, you could say each one is the interpretation of their own group, but if you're playing White Wolf, you have to pick one way or the other. If you're a hunter, do you or don't you know much about werewolves? Are you just going on superstition, or do you actually know real information about their society? You have to pick one to be true. And once again, if you disagree with my specifics, that's fine, but that's really ultimately irrelevant to my broader point here, which is that you are going to inevitably develop a headcanon. There is going to be a perspective of truth that you believe that may even be defensibly true, but it sits among other defensibly true ideas because of the fact that you have been given information that either is absolutely contradictory or at least as presented seems to contradict itself. Now, if we talk about how to apply us at the table, I think this is one of the reasons why I prefer running games that I know more about than the players do. For some people, it's just an insecurity. They don't want to get called out. And maybe there's a part of that to me too. But more than that, it's the fact that I can allow my headcanon to run that game. I don't have to worry that someone else is going to have interpreted the setting differently and therefore insist that the way that I am presenting things is incorrect. The way that I have filled all the empty holes and dealt with all the conflicting information, it creates a worldview that I prefer. But then what do you do if you do have someone at the table who really is knowledgeable about the setting, who has a different headcanon? Well, I found it certainly useful to pick specific books to say, look, this is the information I'm going off of as canon. If you have information from any other book, that's simply not canon because either I'm not familiar with that book or I don't like its particular spin on this. Of course, I think honestly where this really starts is with the player. When you're a player and you're in somebody else's game, yes, it is a collaborative story, but I think to a certain extent you are a guest in their world and the GM ought to be a good host and allow you as a guest to have a lot of fun and do memorable things. But you at the same time ought to respect the GM's home. And if they present something a certain way, you know, you can maybe come to them later or even on the spot and say real politely and real gently, hey, what about this? Or would you object to me doing that? Or would you object to me taking advantage of this particular resource or talking to this particular person that I know is in the setting? But do it nice and gently. Don't get into a huge wank with the GM. Because they're trying to tell a story, and if you do that, honestly, you're just kind of being disruptive. Let them get through the story, and if you want to take them to task on something, please do it in a constructive way. If you can't do that, if you're not a constructive person, then just chill about it. Take a deep breath, accept that the game is a certain way, it's really not going to hurt anything, and run with it. But I'm curious to hear from you guys. Where's the places you've come up with your own headcanon? Where's the places where you've come up with a consistency or a truth about something that wasn't actually presented in the game. And I'll open this up to any fictional topic, because it may not be a game. I mean, good heavens, look at the number of headcanons that exist for Star Trek. Uh, Star Wars is another one with all the extended universe stuff out there, which may or may not even be accepted canon now, depending on who you talk to. But even within that, how does the Force work? Are there animals or creatures that can resist the Force completely, or just some that can do it partway? What's your headcanon? Where'd you get it from? Why do you have it? And have you ever run into a situation where that came into conflict with somebody else? 
And yeah, it can lead for some fun debates, and it can lead to some not-so-fun debates, because some of us take our fiction a little too seriously. But when you're at the gaming table, please keep in mind that this isn't just an academic wank on the internet. The very act of debating this, once again, I'm not saying don't, but if you want to debate this and really get all bent out of shape about it or whatever, then keep in mind that there is somebody's game that you're messing up, not just the GM who wrote the game, but the other people who are trying to play it. So please do give a little space and recognize that some of the things that may be in your head, some of it might be real black and white canon. And if your group really wants to focus on being fair and consistent with everything, maybe that's worth bringing up. But it's also possible that some of the things that you are certain on, some of the things that are absolutely concrete in your mind, are in fact a headcanon, either taken or created as a way of sort of smoothing over the potholes and the twisting paths of the game's writing. I think I'll wrap this one up here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please do check the show notes for a bunch of good links. I'll be getting in touch with the three people who won the Battletech box sets. And please keep track of us. Keep tuning in. Because Chris is going to be doing some more giveaways here on Twitter or whatever he chooses. I, I left it up to him. He gets to pick where and how he does these giveaways. But he'll be doing them soon to give away those video games. And like I said, I know I've got something really cool that I'll tell you more about once I have it. If I don't get it, then I don't want to be like, oh, I have nothing. So if I don't tell you what it is and it never arrives, at least I can go find something else and pretend that was it. Stay tuned for that. Have a great week and great games. And we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2015. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.